Are you ready to get real? Hello, and welcome to Real with MoxieWorks, where we discuss real estate news, tips, and of course, technology. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for yet another wonderful podcast of Real with MoxieWorks. I am delighted today to be joined by Matthew Ferreira, who all of us know as a fabulous philosopher, speaker, and photographer, but I know personally and I'm really grateful to be able to call a friend. And during this time of pandemic, when Matthew, I think, will probably talk a little today about reinventing the values he's been providing to people that used to just have him traveling 250,000 miles on a plane, and now he's done 200,000 hours of things with people. So, and a lot of that's been with our company and um, I cannot thank him enough uh, during this time he's really radically helped my team rethink how we can provide value to our brokers and customers and if you have a chance to invite Matthew to do anything with your company at any time I cannot recommend him enough so Matthew thank you so much for joining us today my pleasure always fun to be here just fun to hang out with you Georgia <laughs> I know you and I could just solve problems of the world all day long, but you know, it's funny as we talked about what kind of podcast did we want to do? What was the topic that we wanted to create today? I asked you, you know, why did we choose a topic like creating value at this time? What about that should be of interest to our listeners? So what do you think about that question? Well, I mean, I think it's fascinating to me that uh, we have an opportunity, all of us, to address this issue of value because in our industry and in most businesses, there's always this concept of the value proposition, value proposition, right? So anybody who's been in business for any time has always been urged to clearly articulate your value proposition and make sure that you could quickly you know, express it to customers and it should be present in your marketing, et cetera. But what often doesn't get asked is, what are the values in the value proposition? You know, we, we use this term value very generically as if it's just a laundry list of features or benefits or uh, parts of our product or service. But, you know, of what value is it, I think, is a question that not everybody takes time to address. And the reason that I think it's a perfect time for us to have this conversation and for everyone listening to have this conversation for themselves and for their organizations is that I think the last six months has been a period of soul searching for everybody. I think that while we become used to the concept of change happening all the time, we've become used to our versatility and our adaptability. When you have something really big like it's been happening in the, this year, uh, I think that's an opportunity to press pause for a moment and do this kind of soul searching in the same way that we do it personally. What's important to us? Uh, is it more important to uh, uh, be safe and healthy and have time with our family and friends? Uh, or is it important to just do another deal or to take certain risks? You know, whatever, whatever those personal soul searching moments were, I think it's also necessary for organizations to have that question, you know, that, that conversation as well. And the question, what are we really bringing to the table? What's the value in our value proposition? What more than just simply comparatively uh, uh, lining up our systems and tools and features and pricing and all of that to any competitor, do we really want to offer to others? And, and I think that this period of soul searching is really healthy and, and really good for all of us. Um, not just because of the sort of stress and uncertainty that's around us, but I think it was kind of boiling underneath the surface of the real estate industry uh, for uh, the last few years. I think it's just been under there and maybe the pandemic is a catalyst to bring all this to the forefront. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because it, it maybe it doesn't seem parallel here, but I was having a conversation with one of our board members the other day who was asking me, hey, you know, is it has it become a problem that you're we're not able to jump on a plane and come see people right now? And one of the things I said was, you know, before the pandemic, often a broker who was talking to us would have seen it as a mark of my valuing them that I would get on a plane and I would come all the way to have a face-to-face -face meeting. And of course, it's a joy to meet people face-to-face. -face. But today in this world of video meetings, we're able to accomplish so much and create connection in this new way as well. And, and I don't know if when the pandemic is over, if the value of having to go do that other thing um, will be important again. Will it be, um, I'm there's a judgment call about whether you value someone enough if you won't go do that that thing. And and maybe I'm not following my own train of thought here very well at the moment, but I'm just curious to see what other things that we're soul searching on, that we're changing the way we're doing business today will remain when we don't have these extreme circumstances surrounding us that have forced us into a new way of working. And, and how do we synthesize what truly is valuable versus what we used to place a value on? Well, I mean, I, I think you've actually put your, your thumb right on it. I think the issue of whether we travel again is is um, is a symptom of a larger question, right? What is it that people really valued? And it was time with us. It was the conversation with us. I mean, I could value a phone call without a video just as much as if someone had traveled to see me and sat with me in my office or my living room. People yeah. valued having me on stage uh, with their people, but they equally value if we can do it by video conference. Because I think what we're starting to identify is the difference between the mode in which we get things done and the impact that we have yeah. with the work that we do. You know, So it's funny because people started to say, uh, to me, well, how much, you know, what does it cost for an hour of, uh, of video with you? What does it cost for a webinar for an hour? And I'm like, it's not the hour. It's the time that we spend together that I'm hoping we can have a conversation about how it's valuable to you. It's the impact I can have on one person or 50 people or 5,000 people, whether I'm in person or whether I'm by a podcast or whether I'm in a book or whether I'm by video. It's the time together and the contents of that time together. And I think that's important because for a while we became really obsessed, I think, more with the mode, more with the sort of mechanisms than we became with the outcome. You know, we were, I, I use this term, and it's not my term, I, I read it, and I wish I could remember where I read it because I really, really love the term, but I, I use this term stuffocating. We were sort of stuffocating uh, in the last few years. We were trying to just pack so much into or around what was really valuable. Well, it was how many miles I traveled, and it was how I dressed, and it was how fancy my background was on stage or how many special effects were in my presentation and after a while I started to realize you know what really needed to be improved and enhanced was my presence was my time with people not the presence all the little things that I brought along or gave or added to it but just being there with them you know keeping uh, keeping more of a focus on the conversation than on the lighting and the staging and the acting and the movement, et cetera. And this is also true just in, in any business, right? So what really matters uh, to any business isn't just the money or the compensation or the technical tools, et cetera. I mean, we need those. Those are obviously like the utensils, if you will. But it's the quality of the meal. 
ourselves, the quality of that time together, the quality of that experience. And I kind of think that, um, you know, this question of value and in value proposition is a bit long overdue because in the six months preceding the pandemic, in the two years preceding the pandemic, I kind of was getting a sense of a bit of um, exhaustion or maybe even boredom with uh, the stuffocation that was going on. You know, I felt as if we were getting a perpetual version of that old 1980s commercial. You know, but wait, there's more. You know, <laughs> and we'll throw this in and we'll double your order and we'll supersize your order and we'll get it there overnight and it will come with dancing bears. You know, I almost felt like, oh my gosh, at what point could we just like put some of these things down and just talk to each other, just have a meaningful conversation. And you know, what was interesting in the real estate industry, just to give an example, is that the, there was starting to be a counter movement, if you will. I, I look at it, you know, I look at my friend Larry Kendall and the rise of Ninja, for example, as a way of conducting your business, not as a set of tools or accoutrements to the business, but a way of conducting yourself, a way of having conversations. I almost think it was, those are sort of the seeds of the counter revolution to the suffocation that we were getting at trade show after trade show. And even the bloat inside of, uh, like look at software bloat. Software is an example. I mean, we're in the software business, right? So you think about how some organizations have just said, just keep stuffing more in there, more menus, more features, more buttons, more tools. I was like, you know what? Um, I would really appreciate it if there were less in some ways so that I could be more focused on what truly makes a difference and what truly right. matters. So I, I kind of think that this was brewing and this is a perfect time almost for this pre-Renaissance conversation, if you will, of what truly matters. Yeah, and you bring up so many great points there. I mean, when I think about the 12 months prior to the pandemic, you know, my my clock annually was set by this conference, followed by this conference, followed by this. And during the conference, like we as a software company would say, well, great, it's great value because we get to see a lot of brokers in one place. But what really happened at a lot of the conferences was, you know, am I invited to the right parties and did I get on the it list or whatever? And now I'm just having meaningful conversations with those same brokers, but with a lot less confusion. And I, I don't... Granted, I, I've never wanted to be the most popular girl in school or even though I was a cheerleader. And so now I can just have a real conversation with you and I don't have to worry about the party I got invited to or the way I'm going to bump into you or be seen as part of the it crowd. I'm going to focus on you. We're going to have a meeting with just you and all those trappings have fallen away. And that's not to diminish, again, the value of many wonderful groups that put on fabulous conferences that I've enjoyed year over year. But uh, and it's like with you, like I've heard you speak on stage many times and I always get a value, but what a gift this period of time where because you're able to work from your home office and dial in and have us do video calls and things, I get more Matthew, more actual meaningful conversation um, because you're not also offline all the time that you would be to get to all those conferences, right? There's more value to pack into every day, more people that you're able to serve. And, and the same is true to a degree for our broker clients as well. I mean, I'm even curious to see as we come out of the pandemic, I know many brokers in looking at the value, they're also looking at the expenses, the things that they've put in place in their brokers previously, like my value to the neighborhood had to be that I had to have a physical office to show that I was part of the neighborhood. And now with people not even working in offices, was that stuff a vacation? Did they have a, an office they didn't actually need? How can they determine the value that they're having to contribute to the communities they serve without necessarily all of the the things that were also costly to be there but 
I'm not sure. Do you think that's going to change as we come out of this at all, that brokers will be rethinking what it means means to be part of the communities they serve? I, I do, and I think it's actually two types of expenses. One is that that physical expense, you know, the things that we were so worried about that we're adding to the expense and not necessarily adding to the results. So, you know, I tease about like, gosh, I haven't cut my hair in six months and nobody's noticed. Nobody has said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't have you on a webinar with that haircut. You know, nobody knows you know, how shined or unshined my shoes are right now. Nobody knows that I haven't, you know, taken a suit off the hanger in the last six months because when we're on this conversation, we're actually more focused on what we're saying than necessarily, like I said, the accoutrements. And that's true about the office. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think there's a time and a place for the right systems, the right tools, the office is one of them, our materials, the way in which we do work, the way in which you know we now use technology even better than ever. But I think what you're bringing up here is this concept of an expense. And while those are the obvious expenses, there were also, I think there were also some very deep expenses that were hidden in a way. For example, um, this sense of um, instantaneousness that was happening in real estate. So uh, I'll tell you a real quick story. About one year ago, uh, this August, I was uh, doing a retreat in uh, in Vail, and uh, it was one of those off the grid retreats. So we spent uh, three days. We were doing some writing. We were doing some painting. We were doing some photography. I was having a dinner. Uh, we were having dinner one night. I was having a conversation with the gentleman next to me, and he said, "You know, I, I have to tell you a funny story." He said, "You know, about six months ago, we started, you know, um, uh, this program to, to generate a lot of leads online. We were buying a lot of leads online." And he said, you know, it was quite expensive in terms of actual capital to do. He said, but I actually realized it was more expensive than we thought. And I said, well, you know, why do you say this? He said, well, he said, let me simplify it for you. Uh, we'd spend a lot of money and on day one, we would get uh, 10 leads in the mail, you know, by email. He said, we would call two and then eight would be waiting for us. On day two, we would get 10 more. We would call two and now 16 were waiting. And day three, we would get 10 more. We would call two, and now 24 were waiting for us. He said, by the end of the week, we had called a few. We had a lot more that were waiting. We couldn't get hold of, whatever. And basically, he said, my people had become nervous wrecks. They had basically mm -hmm. become so driven by the beeps and the bleeps and the inboxes and all of that, that they were literally distracted from doing the work they wanted to do. And mm -hmm. the, even the temptation of all of those things potentially leading to money was too expensive, if you will. The cost for being instantly available to everyone and anyone who could email you at any given time was too expensive yeah. for them to be able to do the work that they wanted to do to make the difference that they wanted to make. Now, this is all part of what I consider to be the value proposition, for example, of a brokerage to its agents. What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of career do you want to have? What kind of difference do you want to make? Do you want to be, you know, the next cyborg or do you want to be a good neighbor, helping good neighbors make a mm -hmm. difference through the engine of real estate, right? This is where I think the soul searching is coming along. And when we talk about our value proposition today, and we talk about value, 
I think what's happening is a sort of shift from the sense of the game show. I really do think that in a way, real estate, they've kind of become almost like too much like the TV shows on real estate, which we know aren't real, right? We know they're not real, but we'd almost become that winners and losers and trending and not trending and who could say the most outrageous thing. You know, I wrote an article last year and the opening line of the article was, we're all Salvador Dali now, right? We're all trying to be as outrageous as we can to catch attention. And what people in the pandemic have learned is that, you know what they could use? They could just use an honest, calm, nurturing breath of fresh air. That's of real value. Now, they need us to get our job done and they need us to be efficient and effective and use all the best tools, et cetera. But what they don't necessarily need is everything that I think we were driving ourselves just to the edge of a little crazy on before. And I think that works internally as an industry. I think it just works internally as an individual, as a person. You know, I had to ask myself as well, was I truly living up to my best contribution simply by running from flight to flight, airport to airport, cab to cab? And while I was doing good work, I believe, on stage, was I making the best difference I could make? And maybe now when we all are in this sort of reflective period, we could say, you know, the value proposition starts not with just making money. It starts with the difference that we want to make, right? It's easy to make money, but having a great outcome and doing good work, that's actually quite hard. And that's where I think this great reset of value propositions is refreshing, welcome, and perhaps even a little bit overdue for all of us. Well, it's interesting because you brought up some really good points and and there's not necessarily a wrong answer, by the way, like, and we talked about this the other day, there may be people for whom that that life of being the help desk for the internet and going after leads, they're very successful at, and that is what they enjoy. That's the business model that they want. I think one of the challenges in that as the brokers and others who are listening to this podcast are rethinking what what it, what are my values? Am I doubling down on what I already knew was my value? Or am I rethinking if my value has changed slightly or what I want my value to be? Um, is that it's not a one size fits all thing and that the right people will find their way to you um, when you stick by your values. You brought up two models in just this conversation. One was the person doing leads. I actually used to work with someone at Windermere where I am a licensed agent who was very successful at building an entire business of online leads, but he was single. Then he met the woman of his dreams and decided he wanted to have a life and realized he didn't want to be answering phone calls at 3 a.m. or 3.30 because he had to respond within five minutes to have that lead actually be somebody that would stick with him and so he wound up shifting and selling off that side of his business and moved into the more traditional sphere-based model so he could sort of balance the life he wanted to have with someone in it and not again be the help desk for the internet brokers are often feeling very much that they're pressured to have super specific things that agents are asking for leads are one of them by the way often they're saying you know how many leads are you going to give me but they're not paying attention the agent nor the broker on whether those leads actually close and again whether they're creating an environment like you just described where people are literally stressing out you know with their lives to do it um, you know versus how do we gauge whether our value is being realized. And you you brought up Ninja. And as someone who is a practitioner of Ninja selling, what I loved about it was that it was about being present for people. It was engaging with people about their family, their occupation, their recreation, and their dreams. And then it just led to business when those people were ready because we were in flow around the real value that mattered to me, which was 
their lives and me being blessed to be a part of them. And I think you have to decide which side of the road you're on and not succumb to all the pressures of the shiny thing that's a different value, but feeling like you have to have it because people are asking for it. So how do you think brokers can sort through the sea of that? Yeah, this is this is the $64,000 question, as they used to say. So let, let me just um, uh, jump into a few of the things that you put out because they're absolutely spot on. So first of all, I do think it's important that we recognize that it is not one size fits all and that there are different models. That's what's so brilliant about this particular industry that we're in. But across the board, that's what's so brilliant about living in a free society, right? Different ways to school our children, work for different families and different way, different cars work for different people. And some people fly in the back of the plane and some people only fly in the front of the plane. And funny thing is we all get to where we ultimately want to go. So I always <laughs> love that uh, uh, sort of creativity of the diverse, if you will. On the other hand, I do think that for a lot of people, they had uh, they have an opportunity now. I'm not saying that they hadn't before, but there's a new opportunity to press reset on the terms under which they wish to contribute. So I, I had a wonderful coaching call the other day um, uh, with a, a, a tremendous agent, a tr absolutely tremendous agent. And she was really talking about this issue of, you know, sometimes I find myself in conflict between what I want to do to contribute to my clients and what I want to do personally or with my family. And I said, well, listen, you resolve that conflict simply by redefining your terms. What are your terms of engagement? What are your terms of contribution? And what that means is some things are for you and some things aren't for you. It doesn't mean that they can't be for anyone else and that they should be stopped or they should be somehow banned or whatever it is. You know, it's just kind of one of the funny things about the realtor industry is that in many ways we're so flexible and so diverse in how we get things done. But once in a while, we kind of get our backs up and say, no, no, that, that shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed that you do this or that. We can, and then we lose an opportunity for things to grow. What's important is for any individual and any organization to just set their terms. These are our terms of engagement. You know, I have agents who I've always chuckled at, you know, when other agents talk about, well, what do you say when they ask you to lower your commission? I have some agents who say, I've never lowered a commission in my entire career. And the, the you know, the, the other agent will look at them wide-eyed and astonished, say, never say, no, I set my terms. These are my terms of engagement. I'm fully willing to give beyond what people in, you know, pay for and to go above and beyond their expectations, but I have terms of engagement. I have terms of being able to work. I have terms of being able to live and to play. And I think part of that is what's important um, in this soul-searching period is that I think the terms are changing a little bit. I think mm -hmm. the terms aren't just being necessarily only number one in this or top in that or mostest in that or bestest in that. I think there are additional terms that we've uh, decided are valuable to us as a result of this soul searching period, our time together, our sense of deep connection, wealth, not just revenue, right? Mm -hmm. The ability to enjoy the work. Like, why can't we really enjoy our work, not just crank through as much of it as possible? These are all new terms. And these are terms that will come out in how we do the work and how we price the work and what we offer. And I think what's also vital to recognize here is that Again, not one size will fit all, but I do believe some interesting seeds are being planted. Like, I don't think of this as when the pandemic is over, the real estate industry or just our society in general will be either or, better or worse, you know, newer or older, 
broken or fixed. I think what's happening is we're just planting some new seeds and some of us will be willing to nurture them and water them and give them sunlight and see how they grow. And they might even surprise us. They might bear fruit we hadn't even intended in a good way not yep. just necessarily um, a surprising way. And I think that's what is exciting to me about this question of value proposition. If you get a chance in life to stop and pause and say, hang on a minute, I think I'd like to maybe refresh what I offer, why I offer it, how I offer it, with whom I do it, right? I mean, think about what's happened in the last year Again, pre-pandemic, but even the last six months in terms of people moving around. They're changing where they want to live, with whom, they want to do their work, they're changing careers, they're changing companies. None of this is bad. What this is, is just an adjustment of our terms, an adjustment of what's important as we look around and check in with ourselves from time to time. It would be a shame if we only just settled for one way of doing it and then stuck to it to the bitter end. Not that it would always be the bitter end, but the idea that you know we would preclude growth and opportunity there, uh, I think we would actually miss now check this out, we would miss the value of something terrible happening like the pandemic, the value to check in with ourselves and say, are we sure and can we be better? Yeah, you bring up so much goodness there. Um, you and I talked about this the other day as well, like in spite of part of what this has allowed us a blessing to do is it pushed pause in a giant way in which we had to reflect. Like my husband and I probably ate out all the time prior to the pandemic. And now I don't go out at all, even in places where I could go. I mean, I've tried to support a couple restaurants locally, you know, by getting a couple of pick, pick up meals, but you know, that's money I was spending without a lot of thought for it before. We were talking about the fact that in spite of people, um, in many cases, experiencing hardship, that people have been more philanthropic during this period. So um, there's just, reassessing what actually is important and it's never one and done either maybe this shook us up enough to make it and maybe we will reestablish what our new values are but we are, we have to remember that's not permanent either so allow ourselves i had a weird thought this morning and i it in one way i'm very blessed because the pandemic in my case um, meant that i'm working from home and not traveling much like yourself but i do have a job right i still have my job my husband still has a job um, there are people for whom the choice to find a new path forward was not a choice like they lost what they had before and have to get up every day and find the new place they want to apply themselves. Um, for those of us who are just bemoaning, oh, my whole life got upended, but haven't really been impacted in other ways, um, it's easy to act like it's a choice to, to create a new value or a new path forward because we don't have to necessarily. You know, I, I kind of think of it like this. As a photographer, um, you know, amongst one of my passions is to take a lot of photos of the places I used to go. And, you know, in the last six months, I haven't been able to travel as much, but I've been revisiting a lot of my old photos. I've been looking at them, maybe republishing them in a new light, changing the crop. I don't know, just, you know, in, enjoying, you know, uh, those things. I kind of think something um, really interesting is happening as a result of, of where we are today, which is this, I think we're redefining the meaning of the self. 
know, just follow me here for a second, right? Because I think about this photograph that's here on my wall behind me. This is, I don't do selfies. I just, you know, first of all, I don't have the kind of camera that does selfies. And if there are any pictures of me, they're usually other people taking a picture of me in some condition. And, and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, as a photographer, I'm trying to look at the world and try to capture it. But from time to time, there have been moments where I have captured a picture of myself. This was in Tokyo last year. This picture behind me, a massive, massive mirrored sphere ball. It was taller than me. It was like 15 feet tall in every direction. And so when you walked up to it, you could see yourself in a sort of distorted fashion. And of course, you know, I took a picture of me in it and I'm, and I'm very little in it or whatever, but I, it's as close to a selfie as I could get. But when you think about it in the last few years, what has the selfie been really about? It's actually not been very self-reflective, right? In the past, the reason you would paint a picture of yourself or take a picture of yourself or write about yourself on a birthday or something, that would be to reflect on where we are. But our selfies in the last few years have been for public consumption. Our mm -hmm. selfies have actually been for other people to look at us and to reflect on whether they, you know, are, are they in the fancy restaurant like we are? Are they eating the meal that we're eating? Are they wearing the clothes that we're clothing? Are they as good as our lives and I'm not saying that every selfie was like that don't misunderstand me but there's this sort of comparative nature of a selfie I actually mm -hmm. think in the last few months we're now coming to grips with mirror mirror on the wall we're actually looking at the selfie and we're saying is this everything I've got to contribute? Is this how I want to do it? Can I do more if necessary? Uh, uh, challenge myself to step up and do that, right? And in many ways, I actually think it's releasing the true self inside. It's giving us an opportunity to give more than just what could have been processed through the medium, right? And just mm -hmm. a snapshot of look at me, here's where I am. Instead, I think we're turning the camera around for the first time and we're saying, you know what? The real contribution, my real selfie is when I myself am present. Uh, for others. And, and that to me, you know, is going to cause a very refreshing conversation. I think it's going to cause a refreshing conversation between neighbors. It's going to cause a refreshing conversation in our society. Politically, we're asking questions about cities we live in and the ways in which we live with each other and the ways in which we work and play together. And then, of course, more specifically, just in our business, I think it's going to change the conversation between, you know, I'm just the fastest, quickest, slickest, shiniest way for you to sell your house to, hey, if something's happening in your life and it involves real estate, eh, then maybe let's not just talk about what you can get. Let's talk about who you can become if I can be of service during that process. And that to me is the ultimate value of a value proposition, not just helping people get the most money or get the most house or get the most number of sinks in their bathroom and those weird obsessions that we have. It's about how we help people become the next version of themselves through the vehicle of our work, through the vehicle of what we do, which happens to just be in this wonderfully creative and exciting industry called real estate. Absolutely. Well, uh, in sort of closing, some some thoughts. First of all, I will 
put a little plug in for you and, and you're not asking me to shamelessly promote you, but you part of what you have been doing for MoxieWorks during this time of pandemic is actually helping us look at what is the value that we provide to others and how can we help them realize the full potential of that when we work with them. So I strongly recommend to anyone listening to our podcast that if they need, if they need some help sort of resetting what their vision going forward after this is, if they want someone who can help them spitball and throw it up, they certainly should give you a call um, to be able to help them think through it. But is there any closing tip you'd give these brokers who are listening and wanting to rethink, have my values changed or do I just need to find a better way to articulate it? What's the takeaway we can leave them with, Matthew? I think, I think I'd love to leave them with the thing that my, my mentor told me years and years and years ago. You know, he said, if, you're, if you think that what you're doing is dependent upon your, your slides or your clicker or your laptop or any of that kind of stuff, you might be missing the point. He said, ultimately, it is you who are the advantage for your life, for your business, and for the others you get to be with. So if we're really thinking about our value proposition, start with the thing that matters the most, you. Well, I think we'll leave it right there, but thank you for uh, you being here and providing value for us today. And uh, again, I'm so delighted to get to work with you and thanks for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for getting real with us. See you next time.